0: Well, good morning once again. Morning. How is everybody today? I am excited. First of all, I'm excited because I have this soft spot in my heart for like plain, simple acoustic worship. I don't know what it is. It just maybe brings out the, I don't know, simpler guy in me. But sometimes just just some guitars and voices make it a little bit more special and, and just allows us to lift up our... Why are you giving me signals back there? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Oh, thumbs up. All right. Sounds good. Sounds that's right. That's right. So I, I just have a little special spot in my heart for that, but but that's not really why I'm excited today. I'm excited, excited, excited. I'm kind of pumped up. I'm like really happy about this because we are starting a brand new message series today. It's called Follow Me. We recently finished a series called A Better Way, which which kind of let us look at how Jesus lived. It kinda of allowed us to maybe adopt some of his life principles into our horizontal lives, into the way that we live and breathe and interact in the world. But this series, Follow Me, is going to be a little deeper dive into what it really means to follow Jesus. What it really means, in other words, to be a disciple of Jesus. We don't do that very often, but I feel it's really important. And I'll I'll give you guys who have been in my Bible studies, a little bit of fair warning. A lot of this is based on the Sermon on the Mount, but don't think that you can miss any of these because I am not going to be repetitive. You will not be able to know what's going on. I got some new stuff that I didn't bring into the Bible study, so most of it based on the Sermon on the Mount, but don't worry, you will not be bored. So let me pray, and we will dig in. God, we love you, first and foremost, and we know that you call us Uh, Not just into relationship, but into a deeper walk with you every day. We know that you call us to be disciples. We know that you call us to be disciples who can then make disciples of other people. And we know it wouldn't be in your word if this were not a very important part of our relationship with Jesus. So over these next four weeks, God, I just ask that you allow us all to be completely open. Be completely soft and like sponges. Because if we get this right, as you want us to do, we can make such a big difference. We can change this world. We can change our lives by being close following disciples of Jesus. So God, in this time and in the next four weeks, just allow us to soak in your truth. Use me however you can. Take me out of the picture and make everything be about you, God. We love you so much, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and together as a church, we will all say amen. If they're back up online, you guys say amen too. Uh, I want to start with some interesting facts that you guys may or may not have ever considered before. Uh, The average price of a house in Maryland these days, anybody take a guess? Way too much is right. I was actually surprised at this number. The average price in Maryland for a house is $400,000, and I'm kind of like, I've been looking at houses, and ain't none of them out there at $400,000. But anyway, I'll take, I'll take the uh, uh, you know, statistic that I found on Google. If it's on the Internet, it must be true. Average price of $400,000. Now, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. In fact, it's pretty reasonable. But at the modest interest rate of 5%, try getting one of those loans today, At the modest interest rate of 5%, if you take a 30-year mortgage, you will pay $775,000 for a $400,000 house. If you had a child born in 2013, you will spend a quarter of a million dollars raising that child until they are the age of 18. Parents, you're welcome. You are welcome. A lot of people in here have cut the cable, right? No longer have cable TV and we're subscribing to all these streaming services and they seem like really good deals, right? This one's only 7.99 a month and this one's only 8.99 a month and this one's only 9.99 a month. The average family has 3. Some of us have a lot more. At three streaming services, that's $2500 a year. If you have credit card debt of just $5000, at the modest rate of 21% because you can't find a credit card at 21% interest anymore. And you only make the minimum payment of $50 a month. In 10 years, which is how long it will take you to pay off that $5,000 debt. This blew me away. You will have spent $60,000. $60,000. Now, this is not a sermon about financial responsibility, but if you're surprised at that, like I was, don't be so surprised. Because, look, here's the fact. We go into things all the time. We jump into things all the time. We go head first. We're like all gung-ho. We're like ready to go. We go into them all the time. And we rarely think about the total long-term cost of what those things are for us. We start a new job. We're all pumped up. I love this job. I love this job. I love this job. And as they realize you know what you're doing, they start piling on more work and piling on more work and piling on more work. And pretty soon you're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and being all frustrated. We don't count the cost. Relationships start out really nice. I love him. She loves me. Oh, he's the best. He's so dreamy. Look at that hair. I love just looking at her. They get married and all that emotion starts to fade away and he stops putting the cap on the toilet paste and she like looks different in the morning when she wakes up and it takes work, a lot of work. Relationships aren't about the love and the gooey anymore. They're about the work that we put into it. It takes a lot of that. Hobbies. Anybody ever start a hobby and realize that that hobby is going to cost you a lot of money? Just to keep up, golf is the perfect thing, right? Because there is never the perfect golf club. Every golfer in this place has got 12 putters, six drivers, new bag, automatic this, balls themselves, right? A dozen good golf balls cost like what, 40 bucks? Where's Ethan? Am I right? About 40 bucks just for a dozen golf balls. And guess what? You lose them. You got to buy more. This is why I always just went and picked up the ones that were in the woods. Somebody else done lost them. I just, you know, free golf balls, right? Free golf balls. That's Nathan. Nathan's with me back there. How about this one? DIY projects. Where's my DIY guys? We all know how they go. You start out, and as soon as you get into it, you're like, oh, I need this. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need this. I need this. And pretty soon, that little simple project is now ballooned into things. And jigsaw puzzles are the worst. I'm telling you, this is why I don't do jigsaw puzzles. They look fun at first, but then I'm like six weeks later still sitting on my kitchen table because it's way, way too much work. We jump into things all the time without counting or looking at the total cost or investment that it takes from us. And sometimes we do the same thing when we get into a relationship with Jesus. It's easy to begin It's easy to pray that prayer and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I want you, I trust you for my salvation. But a lot of times, and sometimes this might be our fault in the church. And sometimes it might be our own faults going into that relationship. A lot of times we don't realize what is really expected of us. We don't count the cost of entering into that place of relationship with Jesus, and Jesus warns us about this. He warns us about it several times in, in his word, and he knew it would happen. Matthew chapter 8 is a perfect example of this. Jesus is out and about teaching, and crowds are gathering. This story here is right around the time when he feeds the 4,000, not the 5,000 that we're so familiar with, you know, three loaves, seven, uh, five loaves and two fishes or whatever it is, you know, uh, ours are treaters, uh, lunchable, that kind of thing. You know, he didn't feed, fed all of it, but this was a 4,000. But the crowds are gathering, and then this is what Matthew chapter 8, verse 19 says. It says, Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Sounds like a pretty reasonable thing to say. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. There's two men here. Two men we're talking about, one of them was already claimed to have been a disciple of Jesus. And they're like, oh, we know this Jesus. We know what he's doing. We know he's out healing people. We know he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. We know he's talking about salvation, put your faith in a different way and about love and not about rules. He's the guy. And they're like, we want in on this. And they're ready to jump in with both feet. Right off the bat, just because of the information they knew up front. But Jesus is like, hold on. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. This is going to be something like you have never experienced before. If you are doing this right, you, you, you've got to understand what's going on. This is not a one and done thing, right? It's not like Ron Peel just said it and forget it. It's not like that. It's not like that. One of the guys is like, I'm going to follow you. I'm all in. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. You realize This is not just like following me around Jerusalem and something's going to happen. you got to understand that when you follow me, you are now in a different place. He says, I don't even have a place to lay my head because, look, when we're in that zone, when we are following closely, when we are disciples of Jesus, we are not of this world anymore. We are not a part of what's going on in this dark society. The other guy says, oh, I'll follow you but I got to go take care of some things first. This is where most of us live. I'll follow you closely, but I got to go take care of some stuff. And Jesus, he's like, I don't care. He's like a honey badger. He's like, I don't care. Let the dead bury their own dead. If you're going to follow me, I want you to be all in. I want you to not worry about what's going on. Following Jesus, if we do it right, is a lifelong journey that comes with a cost. And I want us to understand this. Grace is free, but it ain't cheap. The amazing gift of grace comes from God. We can't earn it. We can't do anything. He gives it to us freely through his son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross. But if we just stop there and just treat it as something that, you know, we've got it and it's done, then we're missing the mark. Grace is free, but it ain't cheap. There is a big difference between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. Think about that. Jesus as Lord means we have given Jesus ultimate authority over our lives. Every part of it. Every little thing we do, every waking thought we have, we submit every area of our life. And this just doesn't happen one time. This is something that happens over and over and over again, day after day after day after day. We have got to give up those things that are not of him, that do not belong to him, that belong to this world. And some of us, look, I I, I get it. Some of us might be a little offended by that. Because we like our comfortable lives. We like what's going on. I like being able to watch questionable television. I do. I'm not sure I'm ready to give up Mama June yet. You know? I'm not sure I'm ready to give up love after lockup. And not that those things are all that awful, but, you know, there's things in our lives that we just want to hold on to with a white knuckle grip. Or, we might be like, "Well, I would follow Jesus as long as it's not inconvenient. As long as it doesn't take more time than I have. As long as it's not like something that you're really going to put me out there, or nobody to boss me." Well, Jesus should be. But here's the best one. Oh, there's always time for that later. I- I'm okay. You know, I-, I got the salvation. I got the saved. I'll do it later. I'll worry about it later. And then I have had people say to me, really? That sounds awful. Why would anyone want to do that? Who in the world will want to give up the things they love in this world to follow Jesus that closely? And I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. People who want more love in their lives people who want more joy in their lives, people who want more peace in their lives, people who want more of the presence of God in their lives, people who want the Holy Spirit to work in them, to transform them, to do something new in their lives, people who want more grace in their lives, people who want to not be tied to the life they had before. That's who would go into this fully without any reservations. We may lose some of our comforts. I'm not going to promise you won't, but you will gain so much more. You will gain so much more. And so we have to ask the question. What does it really take to follow Jesus that way? Good question, right? Jesus says this in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. The story says that large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned to them and said, Apparently, there was a lot of people who wanted to follow Jesus. He's like, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you, if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Skipping to verse 33, Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. I don't think it gets any plainer than that, folks. These are not words that somebody interpreted from Jesus. These are not words that somebody invented saying Jesus said them. If you look in some versions of your Bible, these are the words in red. And that means Jesus himself said these words. And he's not really talking about, I got to hate my brother. I got to hate my mother. I got to hate my father. I got to hate everything. Hey, hate, 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 hate. Double hate. A little Grinch thing going on there. You're not talking about that. What he means is you've got you to gotta prioritize things. You've got to put things in the right priority. You've got to put Jesus as the top priority in everything you do. And it's not as easy as it looks because what we like to do is we like to put Jesus up here, top priority, and then we put everything else right up here. And you know what happens when you do that? You put Jesus as top priority and everything else right up here. If we're not careful, this starts to happen. And everything else starts to happen, and we keep Jesus where He was, but then those second priorities are, you know, over and above what Jesus was. He's making an illustration here that says, "This is Jesus. This is everything else." Put him way lower than Jesus is in your life, and we're like, "I'll follow Him," but you know, um, first, first, I got to make sure that my job is secure. I'll follow Him, but first, I got to make sure that I got all the golf clubs in my bag. I'll follow you, but. Those temptations are really nice. I like the way I feel when I succumb to those things. I'll follow you, but do I really have to give up my addictions? And I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol here, because let me tell you what, folks. We human beings are addicted to a lot of things. Some of us are addicted to Facebook, some of us are addicted to TikTok, some of us are addicted to questionable television. You know, some of us are addicted to pie with whipped cream all over it. I mean, there's all kinds of addictions in this world. All kinds of things that keep us from that top priority Jesus spot. I'll follow you, but I don't want to give up my comfort. I'll follow you, but I don't want to give up my fun. I'll follow you, but I don't want to give up watching those kind of movies. I'll follow you, but I don't want to give up my party lifestyle. I'll follow you, but I'm going to put myself and everything else first, and then I'll make time for you when it's all when it's all good. When I when I when I first decided to follow Jesus, I did not put him in that top priority position. And some of it was just age. Right? I was 12 years old. I mean, people explained to me, Uh, you know, salvation by grace through faith alone, put your trust in Jesus, you are saved from your sins. They explained that to me, but nobody really went any deeper in explaining to a 12-year-old what that means. So I didn't really get it. I didn't get it. I didn't make Jesus a top priority. But even when I was older, he was such a not top priority in my life that I just kind of turned away from him. And I'm always in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, I'm saved. It's good. I'm saved. You know, one sin's as bad as the other sin. What difference does it make? Paul talked about that, by the way. He said, should we keep sinning so that grace abounds even more? The answer is no. The answer is no. But here's the thing. I kept saying to myself, I don't really feel any different. You ever thought that? I've been following Jesus a long time, and I don't feel any different. You can be honest. I don't want you to raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. And I kept looking at people, and people were like, oh, yes, I just feel filled with the Holy Spirit. I feel filled with the presence of God. My life is on fire. My heart is on fire. And I'm like, I don't feel any different. What's the big deal? And some of it I just chalked off to the fact that, you know, I'm kind of just that way. I'm not really emotional about things. Was it Jesus' fault, though? It wasn't. It's mine. And I probably justified it. I'm like, I'm doing all I can, right? I made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm doing everything I can, but really I wasn't. I wasn't. Look, Jesus is either Lord of all in your life or he's Lord of nothing. If we don't give him everything we have, if we don't make him the Lord of our life, not just salvation, Jesus, but Lord Jesus, if we don't make him the Lord of our life, we're not really giving him our lives at all. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. And in this passage, Jesus tells us exactly what it takes. Verse 27 says this. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And we've heard this all before. Jesus makes several illustrations in his word about taking up your cross, carrying your cross, bearing your cross, but have you ever really thought about it? Have you ever really thought about it? He says, whoever does not carry their cross cannot be my disciple. So we know the end goal is what? Disciple, right? The end goal of all this is to be a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a learner, a student, a follower, but it's a learner and a student and a follower that applies what they learn to their own life. They put it into their own life. They apply it to everything they do. Now, bear with me here. I'm getting there. It might take a little bit. He says, if you don't carry your cross, you cannot be my disciple. So here's a question. What happens to those people who are carrying a cross? They die. They die. In the Roman culture, crucifixion was the most horrendous, torturous way of death. And they would make the people carry their own cross up to their death spot. And sometimes it was just the horizontal bar, right? It wasn't necessarily the whole cross, but they would make people, make people carry that cross. And most of us, when we read that, when we say carry your cross, bear your cross, take up your cross, we think, we think the nice part of it, right? We think about trials and burdens and hardships. But it's way more. If we are truly carrying our cross, that means Jesus is telling us that every day, every minute, every hour, every week, every month, every year, we must be dying to the old person we were and moving into the new person we were. In Jesus' day, if you carried a cross, you were never coming back. If you carried a cross up a hill, you were not coming back. And this is what Jesus wants. He says, this is where you're starting. Start carrying your cross. And every day, die to that person and die to that person and die to that person and die to that person. And eventually, one day, maybe it's when we get to heaven, we will all be the people that Jesus designed us to be. But we have got to allow ourselves to let it go. He's saying, follow me. Learn from me. Let the old you Go And let me help you let the old you go. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that journey, I can tell you, is hard. And that journey is scary. And that journey will cost you. But if you make Jesus the top priority in your life, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Think about the hardest things you've ever done in your life. Those hard things that we do are usually the things that bring the greatest rewards, aren't they? Hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was my dad. You guys know my father passed away of lung cancer. And you've probably heard some of this story, but I'm up here, so I'm going to tell it again. The hardest thing I ever had to do, we flew down to Florida. My father was already in the hospital. The hardest thing I ever had to do in my life was to sign that paper that removed all the life support systems from my father. And I don't know if you've ever had to do that. I hope nobody ever has to do that. But it was, without question, the most heart-wrenching, gut-busting, difficult decision I've ever had to make in my life because I knew less than 24 hours when he passed after we signed that paper, I knew what was coming and that all sounds really horrible and it was, and it was hard and it was tough, but you know what it did for me? It gave me the realization that, look, if I don't talk to my father right now about salvation, if I don't talk to my father right now about a relationship with Jesus, it ain't never going to happen. And I was able, through that hard time, to find the strength to let go of my my fear, to let go of my inhibitions, to let go of my father-son relationship thing, and pray with my father. And I know he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior within 20 hours of the time he passed. Sometimes... These things come from the hardest times in our lives. If we want that growth, if we want the abundant life that Jesus promises, and he promises this. He says, I came that you could have life to the absolute fullest that is possible in your life. Then we have to carry our cross every day, every day, deciding over and over to die to our old self and move to the new self and follow Jesus. Grace is free, but it ain't cheap. And it's hard. You ever wonder why it's so hard? Ever wonder why this concept is so hard? It's a simple answer. It's us. Plain and simple. It's us. We make it difficult. Some of us believe it's just a one-time decision, right? I, I decided to follow Jesus, so now he's got to do all the work. <laughs> and we go kicking and screaming, and sometimes that work doesn't happen because we are not cooperating. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's apathy. We just don't care. Priorities, sure, I get it. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. We go into this relationship, what they call easy believism, right? Somebody has just told us, all you got to do is pray the sinner's prayer and you're good. But nobody explains that discipleship is a process. Discipleship is a long, lifelong journey. We want to be disciples who make Disciples, sometimes it's fear of missing out, right? We talked about FOMO a couple of weeks back in a different series. You know, if I follow Jesus this way, am I going to miss out on all the fun that everybody else is having? You might. You might. But let me tell you what. You can have fun as a Christian, too. There's a lot of fun to be had following Jesus closely. It will also be exhausting, by the way, because when you start following Jesus closely, you'll, you'll soon find out what he wants from your life. I heard one time that there is never a well-rested Christian. Maybe that's true. All those things get in the way. All those things get in the way. It's us. Being a disciple of Jesus, following him closely, carrying our cross every day requires a mind shift. It requires us to think differently. It requires us to prioritize differently. The definition of insanity, everybody knows this, right? The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. If we want something different, we got to do something different. If we want... To be close to Jesus, if we want the presence of God in our lives, if we want the abundant life, if we want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, if we want all those fruits that are inhabiting our spirit, then we have got to do something different every day. And I like to take our cue from John the Baptist, old JTB. Now JTB, interesting character, right? Because JTB had his own brand he was the baptizer, right? If he had an Instagram account today, it would probably be like at real baptizer, something like that. You know, JTB, the baptizer, whatever it was. He had his own following. He was a pretty popular guy. He had his own people. He had his own crowd. He had his own disciples. This was JTB, John the Baptist. And in fact, John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus. But John the Baptist knew a little bit different. He knew his whole place in life was to usher in the Messiah, In fact, when he baptized Jesus, he said, Behold, there's the Lamb of God. And he watched the the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove. And so one day, as it would be, John the Baptist, JTB, is out baptizing in the Jordan River. And his guys come up to him and say, Hey, JTB, that dude you baptized the other day is on the other side of the river. And he's baptizing people, and they're all flocking to him. They, was, they were upset about this. I mean, John the Baptist guys were like in a tizzy. They were upset. They were all bent out of shape. Jesus came on the scene, but John the Baptist knew the real deal. And this is, listen, this is what John the Baptist says about this whole situation. He didn't get jealous. He didn't say, I'm going to hold on to my brand. He didn't say, I need to get my Instagram followers up. He didn't say, look, you guys just stick with me. Don't worry about him. What he said was this. He must become greater. I must become less. If we can just have this mindset, this is the key. This is a decision we can make every day. Every day we can say, Jesus must be greater in my life, and I must be less in my life. And I'm calling all of us, all of us, to make Jesus greater in our lives and to make us less in our lives. Each day, this requires work. Each day, this requires picking up your cross. Each day, this requires dying to yourself and running to him and seeking him first and getting uncomfortable because you will get uncomfortable when you are following Jesus that closely. we got to give up our pride. We have got to make him, this is a decision, Lord of all, not some, Lord of every part of our lives. Jesus don't want no average disciples. Jesus don't want no C students. My academic career was like this tale of two cities, right? When I was in high school, I was a solid D minus student. True story. Patty can tell you. (laughs) I failed speech class four times. I ended up taking like three night school classes and a bunch of extra classes during the day just so I could graduate on stage. But then when I went to college, it was like a whole thing shifted. That was a priority. It was something I wanted in my life. It was something I was passionate about in my life. And I'm not bragging, but I ended up graduating with a 3.97 GPA. Come on. That's not really the point here. And while C's might get degrees, <laughs> Jesus don't want no average students. Jesus doesn't want us to be milk toast disciples. Jesus doesn't want us to be all middle-of-the-road, wishy-washy people who's one foot in this world and one foot in his. In fact, he kind of hates it. In the book of Revelation, John's Revelation, as he's kind of dictating the visions that God is giving him, He dictates some letters that Jesus has written to several churches. And there's a letter to the church in Laodicea. And he says this I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Milk toast, middle of the road, average students. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, I love that word that Jesus uses, neither hot nor cold. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Pretty strong words from Jesus. He says, you're not committed to anything. You want all the benefits of salvation, but you don't want to do any of the work of following me. You're not holding up your end of the bargain. And yeah, you're saved. You're up there. That's fine. Once saved, always saved. I get it. I'm not saying we're losing salvation here. I'm saying Jesus wants something from us. And these words that say spit you out of my mouth, if you go back to the literal translation, it means to vomit you up. Jesus is saying that when we are just middle of the road, when we are lukewarm, average students, milk toast disciples, it turns his stomach to the point where it makes him want to vomit. He hates it. Jesus calls us to be all in all the time. And why wouldn't we want to do that? Look at who Jesus is. He is so worthy of our love and affection and priority in our lives. He is deserving. If anybody is deserving, it is Jesus, the one who came to earth to be human, to know your condition, to die on the cross for your sin so that you could be back in relationship with God the Father. He paid the price. He gave everything he was for us. He loves us. He is our anchor. He is our rock. He is our Savior. He is our light he is our salvation he gives us grace that we don't deserve he gives us mercy every day why wouldn't we want to be all in and make him lord of everything in our lives so look i'm calling us out i'm calling us out i don't know where you are on this scale and and, and i'm not about to make that judgment i want you to look at your own heart because i want us to be disciples who make disciples. We can't make disciples unless we're on that path ourselves. I want us to be people who are so wrecked by the sacrifice that Jesus made for us that we pursue him with everything we have, that we say, Jesus, you are Lord of every area of my life. I will leave nothing off the table. Everything is yours. I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to die daily to my old self. I'm going to hold nothing back. And I want us to commit I want us to make a commitment, and I'm going to ask for an easy commitment. This series is four weeks long. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to live out this life of discipleship, what we should look like when we become true disciples of Jesus, what his plan is for followers over the next four weeks. And I want everybody here and anybody that might be watching online now or later to commit just four weeks. Just four weeks to be an all-in, making him the Lord of everything, every day, choosing again to die to your old self. Every day, choosing again to carry your cross. Every day, running to him and nobody else. Leaving the world and running to him. Every day, dying a little bit more to yourself and a little bit more to yourself. And then being willing to say, Jesus, I've let this go. Show me what else is there. Show me what else is there. Show me what else is there. Dig deep, Jesus, every day. Falling in love with Jesus over and over and over and over again until there is nothing even close to him as a priority in our lives. Don't stop. Go deeper. Get closer. Give it to him. Let him be Lord of everything in your life. And my hope is, if you commit to that for four weeks, that that's just the beginning. That you won't want to stop that you will begin to see more joy. You will begin to see more peace. You will begin to see more of his presence in your life. You will begin to see things that you have never seen. You might get a little uncomfortable at first, but I'm telling you what, there is a greater reward at the end. It's so good. So you in? And I want to tell you, First of all, thank you, that you might be sitting here wondering what this is all about. Maybe you've never heard about this before. Maybe you've never experienced Jesus in any way before. But Jesus is not just for people who already believe. You know, we all have a life. We all had a life before Jesus. You might be sitting in here today without a relationship with Jesus and you have tried everything in this world that promises satisfaction but never fulfills. In this world that promises a life of joy and love and peace but always fails. The only way to really have that is by following Jesus closely. And listen, if you don't have that relationship, he's waiting for you. He's, he already paid the price. He already paid the price so that you can be on that path that you can have that life and have it abundantly. Have the most complete and fulfilled life you could ever imagine, but you didn't even know you wanted. Because we can't realize it until we have a relationship with Jesus. And and, and if you have never even maybe heard about Jesus, maybe you've heard about Jesus and you're just like, well, I don't know. Maybe you're just kind of like folding your arms and like, I'm not sure I want to do this. I would just ask you to do it. Give it up. We, we can't win in our own strength. Only Jesus can win. I've read the end of the book, by the way. He wins. He wins. He wins. There's only two destinations for a human being. And our default destination is a place I don't want any of us to go. The other destination is eternal life with God. And that happens by putting our faith and hope and trust in him and making him Lord of our life. And so today... If you haven't made that decision or maybe you want to recommit that decision with all heads bowed, we're going to just pray this prayer together. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross as payment for my sin. Jesus, I believe you were raised on the third day, defeating my spiritual death. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father God, anybody who has come to that place today of decision, we just give the glory to you. I can speak words, but those words are only from you. And it's all your grace that pulls people in. So we thank you. We know that if just one person comes back to you you are rejoicing and so we're rejoicing with you we love you so much god and we want to be close followers we want to be the disciples that jesus wants help us to do that help us help us just to commit for four weeks it's a small time four weeks of of every day carrying our cross and dying to ourselves just a little bit more and we know this is not easy We know that we can only do it with your help. We know that we can only do it with your Holy Spirit in us. And so we're just asking that your Holy Spirit work big,